0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Division Vision for You, a Big Book Study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, August 7th, 2018, and we are reading from the big book, and we are currently on page 91, starting with the last paragraph, which is the fourth paragraph. It starts, when he sees you know, and we're going to read through two paragraphs, ending little chance he can recover by himself, and commenting on, on both paragraphs. So today's readers, we have uh, Laura A. on the 12 steps, and we have Russ N. on the 12 traditions, and the readers of the text are Marie J., Lauren N., and um, the reference number for yesterday, which is Monday, August 6th, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 11,751. That's 11751. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, it's 11,753, 11753. Our preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So, let me now ask um, Laura A. if you'd be good enough to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Laura.
1: Good morning, Larry. This is Laura A., Recovering Compulsive Overeater in New Hampshire, the 12 steps. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong promptly admitted it. 11 sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass.
0: Thanks, Laura. Okay, Russ M., can you read the 12 traditions, please? Good morning. Yep, good morning.
2: Russ M., the government force of the outside of Philly. 12 tra- traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on our unity. Two, for a group purpose, there's one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. best problems of money, property, and prestige us from my primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Readers Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name, but never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions. Ever reminding us to place principles
0: before first in their office, Thank you. Thanks, Russ. Appreciate that. Okay, here's how this meeting is supposed to work. We'll see how it goes. Um, our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overreaders only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. And there is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And of course, we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, press star one to unmute your phone. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then uh, press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today, uh, we're back in the big book. Here we are, we're on page 91, uh, starting with the last paragraph, which is the fourth paragraph. It starts, uh, when he sees you know, and uh, Marie J is going to read through two paragraphs ending with little chance he can recover by himself and then commenting on both. Hey, Marie, you're up. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me, Larry? <laughs> I can. You're coming can you hear me? loud and clear. OK.
3: Great. Yep. Thanks. Uh, good morning, everybody. This is Marie Jay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. When he sees you know all about the drinking game, commence to describe yourself as an alcoholic. Tell him how baffled you were, how you finally learned that you were sick. Give him an account of the struggles you made to stop. Show him the mental twist which leads to the first drink of a spree. We suggest you do this as we have done it in the chapter on alcoholism. If he is alcoholic, he will understand you at once. He will match your mental inconsistencies with some of his own. If you are satisfied that he is a real alcoholic, begin to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. Show him from your own experience how the queer mental condition surrounding that first drink prevents normal functioning of the willpower. Don't at this stage refer to this book unless he has seen it and wishes to discuss it. And be careful not to brand him as an alcoholic. Let him draw his own conclusions. If he sticks to the idea that he can still control his drinking, tell him that he possibly can if he's not too alcoholic. But insist that if he is severely afflicted, there may be little chance he can recover by himself. So when I came into the program, I had a lot of resistance, <clears throat> and uh, I didn't want to lose control of anything, even though I wanted to stop eating, and I wanted to lose weight, but I still wanted to be in charge, and um, when it was mentioned that I had an allergy of the body, I resisted that, that thought, and you know, I was like, what the heck are they talking about? I just, I just need the right diet, so in the beginning, I was in a lot of doubt and, um, and skepticism, and And this paragraph is talking about how to be of service to the newcomer. You know, I need to talk about my early days when I was confused and in doubt and in resistance and wanting to be in control. And I was especially baffled when I learned that this is an illness and that I don't have to carry around a bunch of shame and self-loathing because I can't control my eating. So to be of maximum service, you know, this program instructs us to be of maximum service. You know, I, I need to always remember how it was. And I have to... Remember not to lose sight of the pain and the terror and the mental twist that leads to the first bite and then a binge. And that's what I need to keep bringing to the table. I don't want to remember how it was. I don't want to revisit the pain. And I, I don't want to, you know, now that I'm on the other side and I'm recovered, I don't really like to verbalize and expose all that stuff because it's painful. But I do it, and I'm really grateful to do it. Because I know that it's only my ego and my disease that wants to pretend that everything's all good now and it's never going to happen again. But each day that I get to share what it was like, I get to add that brick to the foundation that's recovery. And I get to connect on a level with you guys that's really profound and it's really deep. And that's what God wants from me. You know, I want to, I have to be able to share my past and. As things come up today, because I'm human and I'm frail and I'm going to fall down sometimes, I need to also continue to expose them to my fellows and to be vulnerable and to continue to ask for help. And when the newcomer gets to experience this type of connection, it's like coming home. It's like safe. It's uh, it's being welcomed into a place where, oh my gosh, I belong here. You know, they can say, Yeah, me too, me too. I want this. I want what you have. And that's what we're trying to do by attracting people into this program. And you know, we want people to feel like, oh, can you show me the way? I want what you have. Can you help me? So I'll just never forget how I felt when I was in my first meeting on that first day when the aha came to me and I knew I had found my place, my home. And and where I belong, so that's what I wanna to remember to bring every time I talk to a newcomer. Thanks that's all I've got Tess.
0: Ah, oh, thanks, Marie. <clears throat> appreciate that okay, if you're just joining us we're uh Marie read from page ninety one the last paragraph she <laughs> read through two paragraphs, so we're gonna uh we're gonna transition now to sharing If you have a pulse, we want to hear from you. So who would like Lisa to B. share?
4: Janice Lisa? P.M.
5: Chrissy Duell. Do, L.
0: Do, Melissa. Chrissy. Chrissy. i got Lisa, Janice, Melissa, I think I heard, Duell, and Chrissy. Maybe one more?
6: Leslie Dummy
0: is All right, let's go with that. Let's go with that. So we got Lisa. We got Janice. Lisa, too. Chrissy Leslie. If you can mute your, if you're not Lisa, Lisa, if you're Lisa, you can unmute your phone. If you're not Lisa, all right. Hey, let's start with Lisa. Good morning.
6: Good morning, Larry. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and thank you so much for your service and thank you for everyone that is here on the line. I love this reading. I find I have to really study this chapter. Um, every day I, tr- I read, I try to read a page every day out of the chapter working with others because this is uh, this is everything for me. This is what keeps me alive. It keeps me sane. It keeps me abstinent. It keeps me sober. But it enlarges my spiritual life. And, you know, if I'm not growing, I'm dying. I have to always be expanding and growing and you know i 've learned with this spiritual this spiritual malady that I have, I have to be growing spiritually, and the way I grow is through working with others and um, with this reading today, you know it says if you 're satisfied that he is a real alcoholic, and you know we hear on this line share that there are many people in the rooms that are hard eaters, and there are pages in the big book that tell me you know how to guide the person that i 'm working with to identify for themselves there's a page and there is a solution that talks about um that uh you know it may take the warning of a doctor and um i think it's on bottom of page 20 and onto 21 that ill health falling in love change of environment or warning of a doctor becomes operative they can stop or moderate they might find it difficult and troublesome they may even need medical attention they might even look worse than me but they might just be a hard eater and Um, And then in the chapter, We Agnostics, that first page, it describes um, how to identify if you are a real alcoholic, if you're a real compulsive overeater, and I need to be armed with those facts because I will come across someone in my path um, of how, you know, that I'll need to have that information to share with them. Um, I can't stop or moderate, and I have to be in touch with that hopeless feature of this illness um, and it does get progressively worse. What I used to be able to do years ago and it was not as hopeless, you know, as it is today. Um, <clears throat> but you know what? I wanted to share that I have to let go of the steering wheel when I'm when I'm working with a uh, protege, when I'm working with a prospect, and. It's not like my will. It's not like, oh, I want to nail this and and get a sponsoring, you know. And it's not like I want to get them to see it. I don't know what the bigger picture is. I might just be planting seeds, um, hopefully planting seeds for someone that may not come to fruition for like five years from now. I have to let go of the outcome and just be willing. And when I'm listening with someone, I'm always asking for guidance and inspiration. I'm always asking God to just use me as a vessel and um it is a joy to work with others and I have to remember who and what I am and that's the best way to do it and every day, every day talking with a newcomer or someone in relapse because it could be me. So with that I pass. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Lisa. Okay, since the Red Sox are up nine games. Hey Janice. Good morning. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yes, good mo- good morning to you, uh, Larry. And uh, I am sure glad I do have a pulse today. I'm very grateful, <laughs> taking it for granted, but it's true. Um, yeah, um, when he sees you know, well, what does that mean to me? Well, you know, you can know, knowledgeable. But, you know, when somebody talks to me or when I talk to somebody else, which, you know, a newcomer or somebody that, you know, is asking some questions, I give my experience. That's when I really – that's when they can see that I know. It's not just from a book. I give them my story. I tell them, you know, what I used to do. Um, You know, how hopeless I was. And how hopeless I still am if I don't continue. You know, how confusing, how baffling. That's what baffle means to me. I was so confused because, geez, I did this and I did that and I followed this diet and I, you know, but I still couldn't stop. But then I found out, geez, I could stop. And but then I couldn't stay stopped. So, you know, you try to have them identify again if you could time me, Larry, please. Um, you know, why could I why couldn't I stay stopped? Well, number 1 um, I couldn't stop because I had this allergy or whatever that was. It was a uh, to me, you know, I uh, uh, I craved certain things. I didn't break out with anything um, except, of course, fat. But the thing is, um, I, you know, what do you mean by allergy? Um, so I could understand that a little bit, you know. But the mental, oh no, I'm not mentally ill, you know. That's why, you know, I told him. But it's you know, mental illness for me was my thinking how I thought about certain things, how I thought about my behaviors. Well, this time, you know, the excuses, I, I won't eat the bun. I won't be, eat the bun of the hamburger. See that that that'll that'll work. Um you know how I used to sit and watch TV and the ice cream in the refrigerator the freezer would call to me and it would be so powerful that I'd go get it. And then you try to they see if they you know you really know it. You know, I I've had those same feelings. I've had those same ideas. So you try to tell about that, you know, you try to tell them how you were and how um you know so others you know did exactly what i did um when i came into this program and i could sense their pain and i could sense their shame and the control issues and you know i try to be sensitive to their pain because i know what it is no from why how from somebody told me in a book no from how i felt i felt the same way um you know and again you know um and this is how we start how i started the relationship with the sponsor and the sponsee that uh if you know try to get the person to talk himself and me to be a good listener because my job is to make um dialogue comfortable um i hope you're uh, timing me larry um so it's the, it's, it's the hopelessness. It's the, you know, telling them how hopeless I was. And no matter how many books I read, no matter how many pills my husband could get for me, how no many diets, and they'll say, geez, yeah, that was me too. So this is, this is how I start. I've already, you know, the first plan was the previous paragraph on page 90, 91, and now, it's, now we're trying again you know, to see, the you know, exactly if, you know, you're anything like me because my husband wasn't like me, you know, because I'm armed with experience about myself. And I think that's very important and to show that mental twist that I had um, about m- my thinking that, uh, you know, the bond was all right, standing up didn't count, all those methods that I used, I bring the, those things out. And with that, I think I'm going to pass. Thanks.
0: I'm not stopping you. I I learned too much from you, Janice. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, here's someone else I learned from. Melissa followed by Du. Hey, Melissa.
7: Hi, Larry. Thank you so much for your service. Mm -hmm. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. Um, Yeah, I just, you know, I love this because um, it really tells me why working with others gives me immunity. Because if I'm going to keep talking about how sick I am, you know, how sick I am, how sick I am, how sick I am. I'm hearing, you know, how sick I am. I really need that, you know, Um, because you reach a point where, um, you know, you're physically, you don't look like that sick person anymore. And spiritually we've been, you know, rearranged. And so we don't feel, I don't feel quite like that sick person anymore. But um, so it's really important that I keep describing myself you know, as alcoholic, um, and I describe myself, I, I, you know, when I tell, when I speak with someone, um, I don't diagnose them, you know, I just, I keep telling them my diagnosis, um, and I talk about how baffled, you know, my confusion, my frustration, um, and then that I felt such relief when I learned that I was sick, you know, and not just some fat girl who who was too weak to put the food down? You know, um, I talk about my diets, um, the times I thought that I had this thing under control, you know, and then how some strange thought would invade my mind and I'd pick up again. You know, I I will tell people like I think I have a form of food senility that I can remember lots of things, but I can't remember the pain with enough force to get me to leave the food alone. You know, and then um, these paragraphs refer to the chapter, you know, more about alcoholism, and yeah. So I I tell you know someone I work with, um, I tell my own gym story, you know, that I thought if I put you know sweet stuff in coffee, it would be okay, you know, or the jaywalker, you know, I tell my jaywalking story, how I knew what I was doing was killing me, but I still couldn't stop. And, um, you know, and then there's that the Fred story. Like, I tell my own Fred story, how everything would be going great in my life, not a cloud on the horizon. Life is perfect, and still I would eat again. And, you know, so I tell my story with each of those examples, and I just keep repeating that I am sick, that I am sick. And, you know, and that what I have is serious and fatal, Um, You know, I really name that this is fatal. I focus on the struggle. And, like, so either the prospect identifies in or he doesn't. You know, she doesn't. And um, if someone still thinks that they can control their eating, I don't tell them, you know, no, you can't. Like, I say, well, go try it then you know, and and I think about, you know, like my, I'll say this really fast because I know I'm running out of time, but like my job, I'm a second grade teacher, so my job is to maybe teach a child, you know, um, basics about reading. They're not going to get the Ph.D. in my room, and sometimes that's how it is with with a newcomer. I just give them a small piece of information, and maybe the disease has more to teach them. Um, Thank you. With that, I'll pass.
0: Thanks, Melissa. Okay, we have Dew followed by Chrissy. Hey Dew. Good morning.
8: Good morning, Larry. This is Dew, recover compulsible Hi. breeder. Hi, good morning. I love this paragraph. Um, you know, I was thinking uh, as everyone was speaking, um, especially, you know, for newcomers that come into program, the first thing they think about is, you know, I wanna get I I wanna identify my binge foods. I want to, you know, put those down, uh, start on a food plan, and lose weight, and feel good. And if you think that's step one, then you missed the point. <laughs> because the book says, once you are satisfied that he's a real alcoholic, once you want what I have, then begin to dwell on the hopelessness. It didn't say begin to dwell on the feel good of the step. It didn't say... Uh, begin to dwell on the solution. I said, begin to dwell on the hopelessness and feature of the malady. So, you know, we're going to talk a lot about, you know, what makes us feel terrible. Uh, what what happens when we pick up. Um, so this is not, you know, step one is not a feel good step. It's not a step that is going to be comfortable. It's going to be a step that's going to cost a lot of pain. And we're hoping for the pain because the pain is what motivate us to change. Um, You know, and and it says here, once that's done, you know, uh, talk about the mental conditions surrounding the first drink that prevents normal functioning of the willpower. So we're going to talk a lot about control, you know, and we're going to talk a lot about, you know, the fact that, once I try to control something, it gets out of control because anything that I uh, don't, don't try to control, I don't have a problem with, you know, but if I try to control it, it's already a problem, you know, so that's what, what the big book is telling me to focus on, focus on those inconsistencies, the mental twists that every time I try to control the food or try to control anything that I'm trying to eat, it gets out of control. And if I know that and I'm a real compulsive eater, I'm going to quickly identify with that. And then it says, you know, don't, don't push him. Don't persuade him. Don't say, please, please, you've got to get this. Oh, my God, you're going to die if you don't get this. No, they're saying do the very opposite. Let them come to their own conclusion. Here's the information. I'm going to give you information based on the big book. And it's up to you to decide if you really want this. You know, I can tell you what my experience is. I can tell you how I've uh, had um, all these uh, inconsistencies, how I failed all the time, how I tried to control my food, how I tried to do things differently. And every single time I failed, every single time I fell short. So if you can match that up and you can identify with that, then we can work together, right? Right. Because now you're gonna be on a page where you're gonna be curious as to how I got the solution. But that has to come from the individual. It can't come from me telling them. Because if I tell them, I do them a disservice, you know, because either they're gonna shut off and they're gonna be like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm gonna keep doing what I gotta do. Or you could help them and see that if they're a real alcoholic, if they're a real compulsive overeater, They're not going to stay too long trying to control those foods because they're going to be so out of control that they're going to be in so much pain that they're going to be looking and seeking what it is that I need to do different. And that's what this is. This is not a feel good step. This is a, a, a step that brings you to your knees. Okay. It drags you to your knees so that you can pick up the water and you could pick up the solution, but it has to come from the individual. And and we're just here to guide people, not to uh, tell them what to do. And with that, I pass.
0: Hey, dude, thanks so much. Okay, we have Chrissy followed by Leslie. Hey, Chrissy, good morning. Good
9: morning, Larry. It's Chrissy, Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Anorexic from New York and um maybe you're not too alcoholic maybe you're maybe you're not that that alcoholic what does that mean that would be very confusing to me if i were a newcomer you know it, it are you a little bit pregnant you know i but i i think it's crucial that we explain that the disease is progressive you know there could be you know when i was when i was 10 maybe I had more control, um, than I do when I'm, when I'm 25 and, um, the lengths that I'll go to, to, um, to, to get, to get what I want to feel better, that changes, you know, going to extremes, going to any length to, to get what I want and also to, to put other things to have the the my priorities are completely out of order. Um, when it gets really progressive, and we start to see, you know, at least I started to see in my own life that um, when I was obsessing about exercising when I was with my children instead of focusing on them and being present for them, you know, that was that was one of those lines. That I crossed, that that had to make me think. Oh, maybe this is a problem. But the progression, you know, do we have to go all the way down to the bottom in the twelve and twelve? It says we don't. You know, we could get off at at any any floor of the elevator, and we could we could see other people, hear other people's stories. And if you're blessed enough to believe that it is a progressive illness, then you could say to yourself, well. I could I could stop before I get diabetes. I could stop before I'm 300 pounds, you know? Or I could stop before um I'm hospitalized and have to be fed um intravenously. So, I um I don't know what happens in a person's mind that they believe that because, you know, you have someone who says, "Oh, well, I don't I don't have this disease because you know, I could go to a party and have one piece of cake, you know, and and then it's hard to convince them that they don't have any control. You know, and it's the same with the alcoholic. My grandfather was the kind of alcoholic that drank three days a week and he didn't start till five o'clock and he he was very, very controlled in his drinking, it didn't mean that he wasn't an alcoholic. It didn't mean that he didn't have the obsession of the mind he It didn't mean that he wasn't counting down the minutes till five o'clock came so that he could drink. you know so um, I agree with the fact that if you feel like you need to control it, it's a problem and with that, I pass, thanks.
0: thanks, Chrissy. Oh, Leslie, oh, Leslie, it's your turn. We want to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> Good
6: morning. Oh, Larry. Good morning. This is Leslie W., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tennessee. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I so glad that we're reading these paragraphs because I have to be so careful uh, not to brand anybody. Um this is really, to me, these paragraphs um, have a lot of ifs and a lot of shoulds and don'ts, do's and don'ts, and um, you know, I think for the newcomer or for the person who's just beginning this step, it can be kind of um, intimidating because you know you're not really sure what to say, what to do. Um, but I, I do. I do think that this is why our connection with God is so important with with our higher power because we need His direction and his guidance this is This is a very delicate, delicate dance here between a prospect um, and uh, and the recovered um, person so whether it's a family member, whether it's someone that a stranger that we <laughs> And men on the street, whether whoever, you know, I think that it's so important for me um, to exhibit restraint and use discretion, you know, when I'm talking to people because, you know, nobody wants. I didn't want to be a member of Overeaters Anonymous. Like, I love y'all to death, but I really did not want to be in this fellowship. I don't want to be sick. Nobody wants to hear that they're they have a sick mind or an allergy of the body or that they are different from the, their their fellows. So when I'm talking to somebody, I want to make sure that I don't put them in that category, um, because you know we addicts we're smart. You know we can we can we can sniff out a somebody trying to shove something down our throats real quick. And so I know that for myself when I'm having interactions with people and people are asking me questions, people are wanting to know things. Um, you know, I I just have to keep the focus on myself and stick to my story and 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 and, and not have diarrhea of the mouth. You know, I mean <laughs> My gosh, Leslie, can you not, I have to tell myself all the time, Leslie, can you not, can you please not ramble? Let's just, let's just keep it brief. Let's just, you know, keep it, stick to your own experience and, and let other people draw their own conclusion, right? Because my job is just to live out this program with my actions, not my words. And so with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Leslie. Okay, um, we are on page 91, the last paragraph. Um, we read through two paragraphs commenting on both. So who else would like to share? Ross, okay, from
6: Boston.
0: Ross, Pete Harn, Pete. Katie, Pete. Nessa R. Here you go. Come on, Nessa. Was that Rosanna? Oh. More is is Lisa J.R.? Mara. Lisa Okay, so after Nessa, there were, not Rosanna, but it was something like that. Someone help me out here. Help a brother out. Well, maybe I missed someone. Okay. Well, here's who okay, I have. I got, uh yeah, I got I got you, Lisa, on the end. No, okay. no worries. I got here's who I got. I got two two jokers up at the top. Russ, Harlan, Katie G, and we got another another dude, Pete. And we got Nessa and Mora and Lisa. Did I was there one person I missed in there? Maybe maybe Anna Kay? All right, thanks, Leah. All right, let's go with this. Let's go with the, my brother Russ, followed by my brother Harlan. Hey, Russ. Good morning.
2: Good morning, Larry. Good morning, my <laughs> fellows. Russ, I'm a compulsive over here outside of Philly. So, re- reading this. Uh, this passage here, this paragraph, and, and the Big Book, it just reminds me of when I came in, and you know, my, my home meeting was not a Big Book meeting; it was a Tools meeting. But when I came in there, I did feel like I was home because I identified with with the pain that the pe- that, that that my friends there went through. I I didn't identify that they were you know because they were slim and they had everything going on and. Everything was perfect now that they worked the steps. I identified but by, by their struggles, you know, and it gave me ex- an example of how to uh, to to approach people or how to how to take the twelfth step and put it in action without beating people over the head you all you all know you hear me i like it's redundancy here that I'm energetic and I go after people and i and i have you know, you know I just want to like Leslie said, you know, I want to just come at people and just force it, and I've scared people away by doing that. And you know, my group, and even you know, my my own uh, handsome, good-looking sponsor has has trained me in the way of doing it. Sometimes, you know, it's not really even sharing; it's just listening and identifying and saying, "Look, yeah, I've been through that. I know that feeling." And the wall gets broken down, and we find out if that 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 prospect is 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 a true overeater or or not you know so um, i have to, i have to take it you know at, at, with with kick gloves, you know i can't come come on too strong, and you know if I do it that way and, and you know i'm a i'm i'm very uh, meticulous in the way I do it, and I step back and let God work and the person does it move forward that I, I can't control that. Then I get back into control. So, you know, I gotta let God work there and just you know, sometimes I have to listen and that's what's worked for me with this these beautiful sponsees that I have right now. And I, I think the pain, identifying with the pain and the struggles. Because uh you know, with life we're gonna have pain. Whether you know, whether we have this uh this disease on the wraps or not. So it was—it was just something that spoke to the heart, you know. That's—that's that's what hooked me, and that's what brought me to this meeting. So thank you. I love you guys.
0: Thanks, Russ. Okay, now betting. Babe Ruth. Good morning, Babe. I'll just take uh, Javi Baez.
10: That's fine. He's—he's he's the new Babe Ruth. He's—he's he's been socking them every day, which is great. <laughs> Ah, thanks, Larry, for your service. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in sweltering Scottsdale, Arizona. When I was a little boy, my mother was hospitalized many times. And one time she was hospitalized at this time of year between the time that day camp was over and school started. School started always the Wednesday after Labor Day for Chicago Public Schools. And the milkman was coming the next morning, and I forged a note from my mother that he should leave chocolate milk with the order. He left. It worked. He left the chocolate milk. I felt like I beat the system. I was about eight years old. It took another 20, 30 years for me to understand that that behavior is not normal. That thinking is not normal. I came into OA at 24 years of age. I was 335 pounds as a senior in high school. I was about 500 pounds when I came in. It never occurred to me that I had an illness. It occurred to me that I was weak, sniveling, lazy, stupid, lacked character didn't care. My mother had died in 76. My father had died in 78. I came in on February 2nd, 1979. When you approached me, it never occurred to me that you could understand me. I had quite a different experience than has been described by many it was a relief to me that I had an illness. I just thought that I was doomed. I just thought there was no hope. I lived in a constant state of defeat and being beat down by an illness that I did not know existed, nor did I know I had it. And I believe these thoughts were secret unto me. When you described your mental twist, And your physical allergy, it stunned me because your bodies did not match mine. But when I closed my eyes and I started to identify, and when I lowered my ego enough to let the information in, I realized something that comforts me then and comforts me now and has never stopped to comfort me. I am not alone. That these thoughts, Our thoughts and these situations are lived through by people like you. You, all of you, save my life every day because you throw me a lifeline that says I'm not alone. That's a lot to give another person. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Arlen. Okay, now operating on two hours sleep. New mother, Katie G.
10: <laughs>
0: How did <laughs> know? Four
6: months, four months sleep progression. Katie G. recovered, compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. And just love the shares this morning. And um, there's been a real detachment for me over the years. Um, my stepbrother, um, I believe, is an alcoholic. He's unemployable, lives with my parents. Um, I seem to attract Um, people in outside of my program life who have this, who I think look like they have this illness. But there's the problem, like, who am I? I can't brand anyone an alcoholic or a compulsive overeater or an anorexic and bulimic. And I I have women, uh, you know, staring me in the face. This one woman, she's 80 pounds. She's my height, hospitalized, can't exercise. But who am I? Right, and um, in the book it says, um, but we are sure that this twelve-step life has its advantages to all. That doesn't necessarily mean that everyone needs a twelve-step program. What that means is, if I'm abstinent and recovered today, like I'm keeping another dry drunk off the street, right? Like I'm, 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 I'm packing it into the stream of life, and I'm not interrupting your stream, and. Um, it's been so amazing, um, this one particular woman that I know who's come to me through my own medical treatment, you know she'll ask me questions um, about what I do, and I just say what it is I do, I say how much I used to weigh, um and she'll say things to me like you know i'm 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 just on this vicious cycle and um the last time we were talking I was like, that's really funny because there's a there's a chapter in the book <laughs> that I read all the time called a vicious cycle, and she identifies in and she she relates in, and I tell her the two questions: Can you stop yourself from starting? Can you stay stopped? And she identifies in, and then she's done, right? And the evangelist inside of me is like, No, no, you've got to come away. You've got to. Do... I can't. It's not my business, or my family member, like living at my house. You know, an adult. My parents are taking care of him, and for years I did resentment turnaround after resentment turnaround. How can they let him drink all over their life? And who am I? Who am I to make that decision for him, for my family? I've got to keep the focus on me. I've got to recover, recover, recover. And I may be the only big book that, that, that my family ever sees, or they may go to meetings and absorb what they think is the program but never live in the program, which is our 12 steps and never understand that it's not what he's binging on, it's the control, right? Like my mind, I'll just close with this, my mind blew open when you all taught me that it's not about my binging, it's what am I trying to control, the foods, ingredients, and substances, and the ways I treat my body that I'm trying to control that bring me down. So I just want to echo my fellows that say thank you God that I have a program of recovery today and that I don't know what's best for other people but I can just keep showing up and and saying what I do, and then I gotta let go and move on with my life, 'cause that's all I got. And thank you God for all of you. And without
0: Thanks, Katie. All right, Pete, don't sugarcoat it for me. Give it to me straight. Good morning, Pete.
11: Thanks, Larry. Can you hear me okay?
0: <laughs> yeah, you're coming through great. Thanks.
11: Thanks, Pete B. Compulsive overeater, recovered by God's grace and mercy, and I'm in Pennsylvania. I, I, I appreciate these are these are sound instructions for the recovered alcoholic who's had a, a spiritual experience as a result of these steps on how to approach the new person. And I just like to say, from the position of a new person, like I I, I wish that. I could tell you that it was somebody came in and visited me and eloquently presented to me the 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 the, the uh, allergy, the concept of the allergy of the body and the twist of the mind that precedes the first fatal bite. I wish I could say that that's what you know, that's what carried me over the line and delivered me into this life of recovery. And to be quite, to be completely honest, you know. It was Ben and Jerry that drove me into recovery, that drove me into submission, right? Like, you know, you know let's face it. You know, we, we, we can't talk somebody into recovery. You know, unfortunately, it takes pain and misery and discourse and, 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 and everything, incomprehensible demoralization that comes along from, from uh, trying and failing, trying and failing. It's that which you know, I'm grateful for every bite I ever took. Because every bite I took drove me into submission. And then when I was finally able to surrender and ready to surrender, then I remembered what those people told me. Right? Phenomena of craving, obsession of the mind. I've no effective I'll have no effective mental defense, no personal trainer, no No, uh, uh, what do they call them people now? Those, uh, no life coach, right? No guide, no group, no, nothing is going to remove that obsession. No, nothing is going to make me a normal eater, right? Like I had to become completely convinced, not by another person, completely convinced by food, incomprehensible demoralization for me to totally surrender. So the good news is right. Like if, 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 if a person is understanding good. Job done. I wish you the best of luck. In all sincerity, you may not be. I have not been provided the insight to know if somebody get has the phenomenal craving caused by food or the mental twist that precedes the first uh, first fatal bite. We don't have that. We don't have that ability. I see people on TV all the time, 500 pounds diet down to 150 pounds. They must not have the disease I have, right? The delusion that I am like other people or presently may be has been smashed, right? I am a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety. You can believe it or you don't have to believe it. It has no impact on my recovery. My job is to deliver this message, carry this message, and if you you want the help, I'm here to provide it. If not, I'm going to find somebody else that will, and with that, I'll pass.
0: Thanks, Pete. Okay, we have Nessa, followed by Anna K. Hey, Nessa, good morning.
12: Hi, good morning. Vision for you, this is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Wow, that was a, an amazing share. Um, you know, this, this this reading today is giving me two instructions um, as I go out to, um, to carry the message. Number one, um, tell your story. So that people can identify in. And number two, don't diagnose um, anybody, which tells me the same thing. You know, um, I do not need to try to convince people. You know, people have to um, either identify in or diagnose themselves, and it's not up to me. Um, you know, I have made the assumption when I first recovered that anybody who came into the rooms or Anybody who is fat is automatically a compulsive overeater, and you know I found out I I guess the hard way that um, none of these assumptions are, are are necessarily true, you know. And I um, I have an, an an acquaintance who I mean I don't know I'm not a good est- est- estimator of weight, but she's she's safely over over 300 pounds, and. Um, A few years ago, she had just come out of the hospital. She had been hospitalized, you know, for various things relating to and probably stemming from her obesity. And I visited her um, after, actually, I visited her in the hospital too, but I visited her when she um, came back home. And uh, I tried to, you know, get her to identify in. And I told her, and I told her how, um, you know, how I ate. And what I did with food, and I, I spoke to her about the fact that once I start, I cannot stop. And when I stop, no matter how how much I want to stay on my diet, how much I want to lose weight, um, I just can't help myself, and I, and I pick up again. And she said to me, sincerely, honestly, point blank, I don't eat like that. And so I asked her, so why are you so fat? and um she had no answer and of course i didn't have any answer and and i left her and and it's been a few years um and she, she's getting worse and the truth is that the only way a person will identify in the only way a person will be convinced is through pain uh, there is absolutely nothing i can do or say that will convince them um, that they have this disease like I do, and that they need the solution that helped me recover. You know, and unfortunately, some people have a very high pain threshold. All I know is that I am grateful to God that my pain threshold was, was, was very low and that I was convinced, that I identified in, I put on the food, I worked the steps, and I recovered. And um, beyond that, there's nothing I can do for people who cannot or will not identifying it's not my my place to uh, convince anybody um, I just need to make sure that I know who I am and that I will that will never change and with that I pass
0: thanks Nessa okay we have time I think for one more share Anna Kay are you available
5: I am can you hear me Larry
0: I can hey Anna I didn 't
5: even know I was in the lineup, so thank you very much. I have a quick one. i 'm a recovered from the Poconos in Pennsylvania, and I find this is what this moment doesn't always happen to me with a new person or a, um, someone who has lapsed and come back. Sometimes this happens with someone who I've been uh, a sponsor uh, for years. Suddenly something happens, and that person is lost mentally the mental twists have hit them they may even still be abstinent and suddenly they're talking like they can go in the food or they can do this and they can do that and i realize and have realized that i have to talk about my strength hope and experience and my experience in the food my pain because that never switches their brain if, I'm, if they're lucky or I'm lucky, well, I don't have control. But I'm telling you, this moment has happened many times, not only with a newcomer, not only um, with someone who's coming back from a relapse, from someone I'm working with, possibly even for years. That mental twist comes up. We forget. And I have to be as delicate as possible and only share my strength, hope, and experience. I can't tell them what they are. Anyway, that's all I have to share. And I thank you very much, everyone.
0: Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Anna. Hey, Mara, do you want to take about a minute or two? I'd love to hear from you. If you're Hey, alone. Larry. Hey, I'm here. Hey, thanks for your service.
13: And you know what? You need to lighten up a little bit.
3: So uh,
13: <laughs> tell me when I'm done with my two minutes, okay? Because, um... <sighs> I cannot tell you how grateful I am this morning. Oh, I'm talking really loud. Sorry that you guys are, that we are talking about this particular section in the big book today because, you know, I might've made a fatal flaw last night with a new sponsee and I am grateful again to learn this morning that I have not risen above the level of human. I am still flawed. I'm still imperfect. And I know still, thank you, God, that I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I have lots to learn, and that's why this book is called The Textbook, that I can learn from my fellows who have gone before, that I can be humbled this morning with the reminder of, you know what? You might have just screwed up somebody last night. Well, not screwed up somebody, but I might have screwed up in my sponsoring last night. I might have done something that needs to be corrected. And I will make an amends to my sponsee this morning or this evening when I speak with her next. And, um, you know, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful that I have this place to come to every morning where I can learn. I can put my ego aside and say, I'm here to learn. I am teachable. I am a sponge. I'm grateful. And that God made me this way. And that I found my way through the steps to God. And I'll just end on that note and thanks so very much for everybody on Team Tuesday and their service. Thanks,
0: Larry. Oh, uh, thanks, Maura. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you um, to everyone who <clears throat> who uh shared and who serviced this meeting. We appreciate that. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, which is August Tuesday, August seventh, is eleven thousand. Seven hundred and fifty eight, eleven thousand seven five eight. So we're now going to uh close with the reading from the big book on page one sixty four, about followed by the Serenity Prayer. Hey, Lauren and are you available? Yes,
14: Larry, it's Lauren and Did you call me while I was on mute? Call,
0: we're calling. Hey, good morning. <laughs> good morning.
14: This is Lauren N. Compulsive Over-Eater, sugar addict in New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do for do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your house is in order